If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to a new Bunker Daily. I'm Roz Taylor. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, you can now support us on Patreon, the crowdfunding platform. Backers get lots of benefits, including an ad-free version of the podcasts, attractive mugs and t-shirts, and access to our live stream this Thursday, 7th of May. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast and find out how you can keep us in rude health. Today we're talking about a country that's got very little attention in the British press, despite the fact that nearly a million of its citizens moved here over the past 16 years. Poland. Poland is due to hold presidential elections next week, and voting will be by postal ballot. Donald Tusk urged his compatriots to boycott the election out of basic human decency, in his words. But Poland's done pretty well so far at keeping the coronavirus under control, and we'll be talking about that too. With me is Roch Dunin Vansovich, who's a sociologist. He's a fellow at University College London and a colleague of mine at the LSE. Roch left Poland in 2005 and studied in New York before moving to London. He's an expert on Polish migrants in Britain, their civic identity and how they stay in touch and keep their communities alive. So we hear a lot about the pandemic in Western European countries, but not so much about Central Europe. Poland locked down pretty early, didn't it? Uh, hi, Roz. Good to be with you. Yeah, Poland was one of the first countries to close schools and introduce countrywide lockdown uh, almost two weeks ahead of the UK. Uh, and throughout most of April, the conditions of that lockdown were actually much more strict than in the UK. So there was no exercise permitted. Parks were closed. Forests were closed, which caused a lot of uproar uh, in society. And for uh, at least three to four weeks, under 18s were unable to go outside without being chaperoned by their elders. And it's had 664 deaths, I think, to date. That's relatively few by the standards of Britain and France and Spain. When it comes to pandemic containment, uh, the general attitude towards the government is positive. Uh, it, it, really, it, it has introduced measures that were successful. Uh, Obviously, we're also uh, witnessing something what you would call the rally around the flag phenomenon, like in other countries. So people do cling to those who are in power because they think that they give them a sense of stability. At the same time, Poland has been criticized for unrolling its support towards workers and businesses in a very scattered fashion. And it has not been as generous as in Western Europe by far. Uh, so the repercussions of this may become visible very soon, and that may cause a little, quite a bit of disquiet in society. 
At the same time, the way the government has dealt with the pandemic as such, the very swift closing of the country, of its borders, the restrictions that put on assembly, um, much ahead of uh, the UK, uh, have been successful. And is the government now moving to ease the lockdown? Yes, the government has been easing restrictions since last week. Uh, preschools and creches are to reopen next week, as, though are, as, as are some larger stores. At the same time, there is talk that this easing might be somewhat premature and it has to do with uh, something to do with the elections that you mentioned earlier. So have people shaved against the, the restrictions and, as you were saying, things like not being allowed to go into forests or has there been pretty much total compliance? Initially, the society were definitely complying to um, the regulation put out by the government, and there are multiple reasons for this. So you can de- people were definitely ex- very scared of what the pandemic might bring, and they didn't quite probably believe in that the service, uh, the health service, could cope with with the pressures uh, as they had seen in Italy and other countries. Uh, and you can say that uh, initially, at least, uh, society was very much. Uh, very much adhered to to the, to the regulation, and there was no panic. So there were, for example, no shortages of food in stores as they were in the UK. There are probably just under a million Polish migrants in Britain. No one knows exactly yet. Um, many were already feeling ill at ease here because of Brexit, and now they can't travel between the two countries. They may not be able to do that for quite some time. How does it feel to be cut off from Poland at a time like this? For sure, uh, this has been a strain on the community and some people, but a few rather, decided to go back home to uh, partake in the program that was enrolled by the government, so-called Flights Home. But that was only 50,000 Poles worldwide. Uh, we don't know the numbers for the UK. So we know that majority of Poles who do reside permanently or semi-permanently in the United Kingdom remained here. Um, this is definitely putting a strain on a lot of um, the relationships that they had with their uh, country of origin, their transnational uh, lives that they were leading. Uh, a lot of migrants uh, have relatives uh, back home. They, they, they travel back and forth. Um, so I think for, for a lot of migrants, that might be a reckoning, whether or not they can maintain their their migrant existence here. Uh, because until now, it has been pretty easy. It has been pretty easy to live in the UK, to work in the UK, but at the same time, not be uprooted and uh, be in touch and be very much a part of their uh, original community. So in Britain, the best known poll is probably Donald Tusk after he showed such grace and restraint during Britain's contortions last year over Brexit. Now he's called on polls to boycott the presidential elections later this month, uh, as we said, out of basic human decency. Tell us why he feels so strongly. The presidential elections in Poland are due to be held on May 10th. And so far, there is no change to that, at least legally. Uh, but the current in lockdown uh, in Poland basically fulfills uh, the conditions for uh, the constitutional conditions for what you would call a state of emergency, which would defer the elections for at least 90 days. Um, and uh, Right now, the country is in a legislative bind between uh, the government that wants to uh, turn that pop uh, that that uh, that electoral uh, process into a into a countrywide postal ballot, and the opposition uh, that is trying to defer it. Um, there are two dimensions to this. So, first is uh, the fact that uh, there are safety concerns attached to the postal ballot. 
uh, it would mean that it would be probably have to be around 30 million pieces of paper printed and distributed within a matter of days through the postal service. There are concerns about what that would mean for the spreading of the virus. And there are also uh, democratic concerns. So there was uh, no uh, presidential campaign in the past six weeks or so. Uh, the only candidate that has been um, showcased by the media, especially by the public media, is the incumbent president from the Law and Justice Party. Uh, so in that sense, even if the elections were to take place on May 10th, they would not fulfill the constitutional conditions of being free, open and democratic. So is the feeling that Andres Duda, the, the, the incumbent, is trying to push this through while the government is in a strong position because feeling uh, people are feeling panicked over the coronavirus? Is that the the suspicion. It's not Andrzej Duda who's pushing it. Andrzej Duda is a pawn in the game of the chairman of the party, Jarosław Kaczynski, the leader of law and justice since its inception. He is the person who's pushing uh, this election because he wants Andrzej Duda to become um, president for the second term so he can rubber stamp uh, all of his uh, bills and changes to the, to the country's constitutional system for the next at least four years when the term of the parliament expires in 2023. Viktor Orban's power grab in Hungary got a lot of attention, but the, as you've been talking about, the ruling party in Poland has been steadily accruing powers and backsliding democratically in recent years. What kind of things have already happened that worry you in Poland? So since 2015, um, we have seen incremental changes to Polish democracy and what we would what I would call a, a weakening of substantive democracy in Poland, while upholding some, its procedural side. Uh, most most notable, uh, most important is the um, onslaught that the government undertook against the constitutional court, and this is, essentially nullified the existence of the constitutional court by filling it with political appointees. Uh, then it moved on to doing the same thing with the Supreme Court, and then um, as of re and recently, as of last year, encroached on judicial independence in the country. The European Commission has started, has triggered Article 7 uh, rule of law uh, infringement proceedings in, against Poland back in 2017, but this really hasn't stopped the government from uh, introducing those changes. Essentially, this amounts to a complete um, control of the judiciary by the executive. Uh, it almost puts an end to the separation of powers in Poland. So it started with the judiciary. And do you think he has plans now to move on and, and try to nullify the other branches of the government? Or, and, and have there been, for example, um, attempts to stifle the media as well? Again, um, in Poland, it's not the prime minister who calls the shots. It is the chairman of the party, um, who is a what you would call in the UK probably a, a front bench MP, but nothing more. Um, but he is actually the one who uh, who who devises all political uh, plans and and implements them. Um, the, this process is somewhat similar to Hungary in the sense that it is essentially about introducing a majoritarian rule. So we have a semblance of. Um, uh, of, of a democratic process. Uh, elections are taking place, but it's a winner-take-it-all kind of scenario. And that's why the takeover of the judiciary is key, and it's a precondition 
to take over other dimensions of of of, of society. Uh, in terms of the media, as you mentioned, it is probably slightly more problematic than in than in Hungary because while public media have definitely been taken over since 2015, there is a very robust private media sector, some of which is also controlled by American companies and. Uh, in that particular instance, the American ambassador has served as the disciple of those media in Poland and actually a guarantor of freedom of expression in Poland, even though she is a Trump appointee. Um, at the same time, uh, Polish civil society is still very strong, and uh, this was definitely uh, exemplified by the protests against some of the additional um, bills that have been introduced into parliament al uh, alongside um, all the um, all the bills uh, surrounding the pandemic containment so quite purposefully the government decided to debate uh, on, on debate bills that were introduced by say extreme civil society actors about complete ban of abortion about the restriction of sexual education in schools uh relaxing hunting rules and putting an end to uh property restitution uh, uh that was lost uh in the second world war um and particularly those were women and women's uh uh organizations that have instigated protests against the complete ran of abortion bill obviously it was impossible to go out into the streets but uh, uh there were so-called drive-in protests when uh, people have uh took to their cars and blocked uh, uh city centers in poland and then they've also unrolled a huge social media campaign but obviously it is this situation poses a great difficulty for civil society in the months and years to come we don't know how those infringements on civil liberties and association and the very social dimension of civil society will what it will do to what to the power civil society has had in Poland and in the region in general okay so what is the likelihood of Poland being sanctioned by the EU or even ultimate scenario kicked out of the EU do you think given what has happened to the judiciary in recent years Proceedings against Poland uh, put forward by the European Commission started in 2017, and they have been ramped up in the recent months. The European Court of Justice has put an injunction uh, on some of the laws that were um, introduced to muzzle the judiciary in Poland. But at the same time, there seems to be a little hope that the, these in and of themselves will change what the government is doing. Uh, and there are two dimensions to this. One is the architecture of how the uh, European Union works. So for any country to be sanctioned, to be to be suspended for its for its uh, for its vote to be suspended in the Council of, the, of uh, in the European Council, there needs to be unanimity. Uh, and obviously, Poland can rely on Hungary's vote and and. Presumably, Hungary can rely on Poland's vote. And also, post-Brexit, there is very little appetite in Brussels to further disrupt the unity um, of, of the European Union. Uh, what commentators say, what experts say, is what we probably expect most more likely is a hollowing out of Poland's and Hungary's relation, um, membership of the European Union. So they will remain formally members of the European Union, but because of all of these... Um, 
bills and, and, and measures to decrease its democratic credentials, the cooperation uh, with other European countries will be decreasing and uh, other European countries might start thinking of ways of how to further European integration uh, by sidelining these uh, uh, troublemakers. So we might see a sort of poll exit, but nothing like a Brexit, something quite new and, and different and slow moving. And that is the second dimension. So Polish society is the most pro-European society in Europe. So almost 88% of society are uh, content with Poland's uh, membership in the European Union. The majority of voters of the party of law and justice who are Eurosceptic are actually pro-European. Obviously, we are not quite, we don't quite know uh, how deep that Europeanism is and, and what people perceive it to mean to them uh, particularly. And I don't think most people actually uh, debate what, what, what the rule of law is. Um, at the same time, if, uh, if, if law and justice were to introduce uh, any any kind of lessening of Polish uh, Poland's relationship with the European Union on the political agenda that would cause a tremendous backlash um, so uh, it, in that sense the government is in a bind even though it has a very let's say David Cameron circa 2015 kind of relationship to the European Union uh, it wants uh, it would like to return to the good old days of single of the of only the single market that never really existed um, at the same time it, it does not have a backing uh, to to introduce this in in society at the same time this could change possibly in the decades to come but there is no immediate threat that Poland would be kicked out of the European Union or that this, the country itself would decide to sever its relationships with, with the European community. So it's up to Parliament to decide whether the postal ballot can go ahead uh, on the 10th or indeed later. They'll vote on Wednesday. Which way do you think it will go? If I had that kind of power of prediction, I'd probably be uh, uh, making bets on this. Um, it seems, though, that the unity of the law and justice government, which is formerly a coalition of right-wing parties, the united right, can no longer be taken for granted. One of the deputy uh, prime ministers, who has been a leader of a somewhat more moderate, moderate but yet very socially conservative and libertarian uh, party, um, has... Uh, turned his back on Jarosław Kaczynski, and most commentators say that this will not be forgotten. Um, so, and that's why the government and, and, and the party and, and its leader are pushing for this election to take place as soon as possible. They see it as their last chance to solidify um, their um, their grip over uh, power by having a president that will serve until 2025 and a parliamentary majority, uh, though shaky, that will last until 2023. You're a close observer of what Polish migrants in the UK are thinking and doing. Is there any consensus in that community about how Johnson is handling the pandemic or, or is it as divided as the rest of us when it comes to Boris Johnson? I think it's very hard to say to what Poles in the UK think about Boris Johnson or the government at this point in time. There hasn't been any, haven't been any studies on this. However, what is true is that uh, the Polish community is very much afraid about their well-being and their health. Uh, and that is somewhat actually fueled by media reports from back home. So unfortunately, the UK is being showcased as the worst case uh, of uh, 
pandemic containment in Europe. Uh, and uh, you can see daily reports about how bad it is in the UK in comparison to Poland. And that's definitely putting, um, it is not putting the Polish community here at ease. So it's going to be all the more difficult if the government moves to the next phase of trying to encourage people to go back to work, trying to encourage people to send their kids to school in June, potentially. It's going to be quite difficult, you think, to perhaps to influence that community and get, get the message through. I would say so, especially since Poles, other East, Central Eastern Europeans, but also other EU migrant communities here have, as you said, had a very patchy relationship with 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 this government since since 2016, and there have been a lot of promises made to this community. Uh, and most of them were broken. We're thinking a lot about our relationship with the state in Britain because of this, and some people find lockdown harder than others. How does Poland's communist and, and post-communist increasing history now influence the trust people have in the state? Because you say that there was a you know, very strict lockdown. D- does it make them more or less trusting of their government, do you think? I think it's the, the question here is twofold. So on the one hand, there's probably less confidence in the government's ability to handle a crisis like this and less confidence in the capacity that the health service has to actually take care of the population. But there is more of a fear of what the country or what the, what the government can do or what it's a police force, what the police force can do when it is enforcing such laws. Uh, so in that sense, society is more, adheres more to these kinds of authoritarian rules uh, because it is has been conditioned to do that historically. Uh, that would be a hypothesis, of course. Another thing uh, probably to mention is that uh, there is a social consciousness or a historical memory of dealing with crises. And that obviously can extend back to the Second World War. There are still people who have lived through that, but also through communism, martial law, uh, uh, restrictions being put on an assembly and basic civil liberties, but also shortages of food. Uh, so for my, for the generation even of my parents, uh, not being able to go to the shop is, uh, is, is not necessarily uh, uh, something that they perceive as um, very difficult because at least the shops are full and you can order things online. And yes, you stand in line, but then you get everything you need. Whereas in communist Poland, especially in the 80s, there were shortages of everything. And, and this was a real skill to actually uh, get basic provisions. So in that sense, the, the, the society, society has been conditioned to deal with difficulty is less trusting of the government, and hence it polices itself a little bit more than in the UK. And we're seeing that also across the region. So, for example, in Belarus, uh, where there have been no restrictions put by the government, the society themselves are organizing and, and putting those restrictions. A lot of migrants, thinking about Britain again, are in precarious jobs uh, and, and are at high risk of being made redundant once this crisis ends. Do you think there will be an exodus of migrants back to Poland as the depth of the British recession becomes clear, assuming that we, we are in for a, for a very long recession? Or do you think that people now have strong enough roots in this country that they'll want to stay? It's very true that uh, both people working in the industrial and the service industry, industrial sector and the service industry will be very hard hit by this and already are. Um, and it really boils down to um, individual cases and when people have come to this country. So those who have um, 
families here who have a support network and who can also rely on the state who have accrued these rights to um, to benefits will will most likely uh, remain uh, because those uh, provisions are more generous here and then relying on your immediate family is easier than going back home where some of those ties may have been severed. Um, at the same time, as I mentioned earlier in, in our discussion, those who have had these profoundly transnational um, uh, types of existence uh, whereby they spent half of the month here, half of a month there, you know, some people even commute weekly. Um, th those, for those, this will be a reckoning that, that this is no longer possible and it's no longer um, uh, a, a desirable thing to do. Uh, at the same time, I cannot imagine that many migrants would go home, uh, would go to Poland, expecting that the, the, the economic situation would be much different. Uh, unfortunately, uh, unemployment is uh, also predicted to skyrocket in Poland. So this will be a European crisis of, of the economy after the, this is uh, this first phase of, of the pandemic is over. So I don't think that there will be that much uh, of a choice for many. And to think all we thought about was Brexit for a while. Indeed. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you very much. Listeners, there's another Bunker Daily tomorrow. And don't forget our live stream on Thursday. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast to find out how to sign up. We'll see you there. The Bunker Daily was presented by Ross Taylor and produced by Andrew Harrison. The assistant producer was Jacob Archbold and audio production was by me, Alex Reese. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production. Mm -hmm.